Pastor James Cadiz says the Bible is full of prophecy more than most realize. We tend to not look at Leviticus, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy as prophetic books because we're not conditioned to think that way. We call them the Torah, the books of the law, but we do not see the prophecy in them when they are riddled with Bible prophecy, right? I don't ascribe to the well-meaning Bible teachers that say that Bible prophecy is roughly 25% of the Bible. I actually think that Bible prophecy is virtually all of the Bible. Because God is saying, if you do this, then. If you don't do this, then. That's all prophetic. Every single bit of that is prophetic. People oftentimes don't make those connections. I have found that peace only comes from you. I have found that joy only comes from you. Cause all I need is going through the Bible and focusing on the passages that deal with prophecy. Today on Light on the Hill, Pastor James Cadiz takes us to Numbers and Deuteronomy. At this point, you might question, is there really Bible prophecy to be found here? Absolutely. There's more than you may realize. Here's Pastor James. When you get into Numbers, as I said before, Numbers is significant because Numbers is, does exactly that. It numbers the, the, the people of Israel. We get a very, very good idea in the book of Numbers. Uh, the amount of people that we have that are out in the desert, it gives us a really good picture. By the way, it is really interesting when you study the book of Numbers, it re-documents much, in much finer detail many of the things that we read about in Exodus uh, in terms of the grouping of the nation and so on and so forth. And one of the things that's interesting that you can get out of Numbers and Exodus is also very prophetic. And this might be an aspect that you might not see unless you really studied it and actually mapped it out. But through Numbers and Exodus, if you were able to sit down, and really it's more Numbers, you were able to sit down and get the numbers of all of the tribes and where they were placed around the tabernacle, you would realize that if you looked at the nation of Israel from a bird's eye view, let's say you were, you were uh, flying a multi-rotor, you were in an airplane and you were flying above the camp, do you know that you would see the camp in the shape of a cross? Prophetic of what Christ would do for the nation. And do people, people, I want you to understand, Christ dying on the cross and being resurrected the third day was the completion for God's ancestrally chosen people, the Jews. Do not ever go to a messianic believer and ask them when they converted. It's a huge mistake to call them people who converted to Christianity. They did not convert to Christianity. They completed themselves. So when you go to them and you say, tell us about how you came to know the Lord, if you want bonus points, you'll tell us, you'll say, tell us the story of when you became completed as a Jew. You didn't forsake the God of your fathers. You embraced the words of the God of your fathers and the prophets, and you were completed by your Messiah, right? Very interesting thing. All of this comes from the establishment that we get in Numbers. By the way, there's a prophecy at Kadesh Barnea. You might want to stop and, and look at that prophecy in Numbers, specifically in chapter 14. This is where the people of Israel failed to follow the Lord or to trust that he would lead them into the promised land. We know the story of what happened there, right? We know that the spies that got sent into the promised land actually came back and said, we're going to die. This is bad. This is really bad. Yeah, they're big grapes and there's lots of honey and all that, but those guys are monsters. They're giants. They're going to kill us. Two guys didn't say that. Two of them. Chalib and Yeshua. 
that both of them are interesting guys because those guys were monsters, spirit-filled men. And they went and said, this will be easy. What are you talking about? This is the land that God promised us. We'll be able to smoke these guys. This will be easy. They all freaked out. What did God say? God said, uh-uh, you doubted me. So you're going to be wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. That was a prophecy, folks. And that prophecy came true. That was right. God said it, and it happened. Do you know that God said that there would only be two people from that generation that would actually see the promised land? And one of them wasn't Moses. Did you know that? One of them was Caleb, and the other one was Yeshua. Interesting story when you think about it. Or in Numbers, this one is a good one, right? The story of Balak and the prophecy of Balaam, that whole story, Balaam's donkey, and what happened with that situation. I highly recommend that you read Numbers chapter 23 through 24. It's really good. I'm going to just simply summarize this for you. There was a king that wanted a prophet to curse the Israelis because he was scared of their power and overtaking them. So he calls the prophet of God to do so. The prophet of God says, sorry, God won't allow me to do it. You're in trouble, dude. You're cooked. The king said, I'll pay you anything. Come on. Finally, the prophet says, well, look, look, I can't declare a curse upon the people. But if you put women in front of these guys and they start fornicating and they start messing up, well, God will curse them. So the king recognizes his opportunity to destroy Israel in doing so. And this guy, Balaam, becomes a wealthy man as a result, potentially. So he starts walking home. He starts going around the hill. All of a sudden, his donkey stops. He gets mad. Come on. Donkey doesn't want to move. Come on. And finally, he starts hitting the donkey because he's so frustrated. The Bible says the donkey turned around and talked to him. He's like, hey, dummy. I'm not moving because there's an angel of the Lord right around the corner with a sword waiting to smoke you. Right? And he recognizes, wow. That's always an encouraging story to me because if God can use a donkey to speak to people, he can definitely use me. Right? It's kind of, a, kind of an exciting story. Right? But it's interesting, in Numbers chapter 33, there's a command where God directs Israel to drive out the inhabitants of the land and prophesied that those they allowed to remain would do what? These are the exact words. They will become barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides. Israel didn't listen. They didn't drive everybody out of the land like they were supposed to. Ask the story of King Saul and many of the other stories that we read about. When you begin to realize that they didn't completely drive them out because of the sort of lack of care that they had for the specifics of God's word, the nation of Israel suffered as a result of it all. They suffered tremendously. They'd suffered for a long time. One of the last groups of people that gave Israel so much pain that was not eliminated when God told them to eliminate that group would, of course, be Herod the Great. You remember that? And all those children were killed. You think about the story and the prophetic significance of everything that was there. Guys, I want you to do me a favor when you go through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Examine the commands that God gives to the nation because an overwhelming amount of those commands are actually prophetic. God says, do this or. And when they did it, you would see the correct thing that was promised happened, and if they didn't, you would see the prophecy be fulfilled, right? We tend to not look at Leviticus 
Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy as prophetic books because we're not conditioned to think that way. We call them the Torah, the books of the law, but we do not see the prophecy in them when they are riddled with Bible prophecy, right? I don't ascribe to the well-meaning Bible teachers that say that Bible prophecy is roughly 25% of the Bible. I actually think that Bible prophecy is virtually all of the Bible because God is saying, if you do this, then, if you don't do this, then. That's all prophetic. Every single bit of that is prophetic. People oftentimes don't make those connections. So what ends up happening here, and it's pretty remarkable, is we begin to see God directing the nation to drive all these people out, and they don't, and it creates lots of pain and suffering for them. Lots of it. This is why when, I, when people tell me that Leviticus is so boring because they read the thou's of these, the those of the thus's, or, the, or Exodus is boring, or Numbers, or Deuteronomy, listen, there is no Telemundo novella on the face of the earth that is more juicy and exciting than these books in the Bible. I'm telling you, if you read them carefully, if you look at them closely, you begin to realize this is crazy good. This is awesome. And, there, and by the way, this is really interesting. This stuff is so accurate and it is predicated upon a series of so many prophetic patterns that if you will dedicate a portion of your life to studying this, you will, and I hate to use words like this, right? Because this sounds really crazy, but you will unlock the key. You literally will be given the key to unlock all of the things necessary to obtain every practical piece of information that you need to be successful in life. And the definition to success, of course, is serving God, loving him, seeking him, all of that. It's not necessarily predicated upon the amount of money that you earn, but the reality of it is following biblical principles really changes things, especially in a country that sets you up for that, right? I mean, you think about that for a minute. If you were to follow these laws, it would change so much. Look, just even look at the, Levit the Levitical laws associated with dietary rules, right? If you obeyed some of the Levitical laws related to dietary laws back then, you'd be much healthier than somebody who didn't, right? Because now we have all these crazy rules with how we cook pork and all the different things. God just said, don't touch it. Don't eat it, right? And I'm telling you, I mean, you shouldn't eat seafood anyway. It just makes your life miserable. You know, I, mean, I hate that stuff, but I'm just saying, right? Now we look at Deuteronomy, and Deuteronomy is by far an incredibly prophetic book. First of all, Deuteronomy is really Moses' summary of the history of the nation of Israel. So if you want a fast and easy and quick lesson on all of the history of the nation of Israel, read the book of Deuteronomy and get to know it like the back of your hands. As a matter of fact, when I teach the book of Isaiah, my first homework assignment to all my Isaiah students is to read Deuteronomy at least 30 times before the next time they come into class. And they hate me for it, right? By the time they get to the next week of class, they still kind of hate me. By the time we're midway through the class, they love me. Because they know the history of the nation of Israel so intimately that the prophecies that are being communicated become something that almost feels like they're reaching into their heart and touching them. They feel like they're a part of it, right? Like it's their story. Because they understand it. And if you want the shortcut to knowing the history of the nation of Israel... You know, I always make them read the Kings and Chronicles and all that, but just start with Deuteronomy and you'll get it, right? So here's one of the most significant prophecies given. Again, we've already gone over this prophecy before in Genesis and we went over this prophecy a little bit in the other books, but it's Deuteronomy chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. It's the promise of the land that was given to Israel. It was repeated. It's, hey guys, let me tell you the promise that was being given. Let me tell you what God told me concerning the land and how important it is that you recognize this promise. Let me read to you what Moses actually says in Deuteronomy chapter 3. We'll start at verse 21. 
And he says this, he says, and I commanded Joshua at that time saying, thine eyes have seen all that the Lord your God have done unto these two kings. So shall the Lord do unto all the kingdoms, whether thou passeth. You shall not fear from them for the Lord your God, he shall fight for you. Why do you think Joshua was so successful in his conquest against the enemies of Israel? He was successful because he remembered those words. God's going to be with you, so just go for it. I mean, think about it. If you knew that God was going to be with you, you would just literally walk in the middle of that whole group with them throwing spears at you and everything and just laugh at them while they all drop dead while you went forward. If you thought, I mean, if you knew that God was going to be with you and he was going to fight for you, literally all you got to do is just walk through the field going like this. Come on! <laughs> and you just watch them all die. And the fulfillment of God's word to Joshua was correct. I mean, the guy was an old man. And he was slaughtering it. He was doing great. God made the promise. He gave them the promise of the inheritance of the land. And that's what drove them, right? But here's the problem. Israel was also given a warning. Moses resummarizes this. Go to chapter 4. And by the way, I'm doing this on purpose. I'm reading most of my verses today from Deuteronomy. Because Deuteronomy is a summary of all the books that I just went over. Okay? So this kind of helps. When you go through Deuteronomy, look at chapter 4. We're going to read verse 25 of chapter 4. A warning. When thou shalt begat children and children's children and you shall have remained long in the land. What does he say here, guys? Listen, this is very, very important. And shall corrupt yourselves and make a graven image or the likeness of anything and shall do evil in the sight of the Lord thy God to provoke him to anger. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that you shall soon utterly perish from off the land whereunto go over to Jordan to possess it. You shall not prolong your days upon it, but shall utterly be destroyed. I will bet my life on the fact that men like Jeremiah, when they were writing the book of Lamentations, lamenting over the loss of Israel, when the final kingdom, the southern kingdom, was finally destroyed because of the words that God had given were not heeded, he was thinking about passages like this. Do you understand that when the nation of Israel perished from the northern kingdom to the southern kingdom, the first warnings given to them were not given to them years before they perished. They were given to them hundreds of years before they perished Almost a thousand years before they perished, God warned them. God said, this was what was going to happen. Pretty powerful. Pretty powerful. Here's one prophecy that most people forget. Matter of fact, to this day, I have never heard a guy teach through Deuteronomy 18 and actually talk about this prophecy. Deuteronomy chapter 18. Let's go to verse 15. And again, Deuteronomy is a reiteration of everything we've seen in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, actually in part of Je Genesis as well. Deuteronomy 18, starting in verse 15, it says this, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren like unto me, and unto him you shall hearken, according to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God, in Horeb, in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more that I die. And the Lord God said unto me, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. Read verse 18. And I will raise them up, a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. You know who he's talking about here, folks? 
John the Baptist. He's talking about the fulfillment, right? Jesus. John the Baptist made the way. He opened up the road. And Jesus was the one that would stand in the stead of Moses. John the Baptist stood forth and he proclaimed the way. He said, hey, this Messiah is coming. This person is coming and he speaks. Understand, guys, Malachi's very last word to the people was repent. And the very first word of John the Baptist was repent. Why? Because the new prophet of Deuteronomy 18 was coming to speak and he knew that they would not listen. That was fulfilled by Jesus. John 1 tells us this, by the way. John 1 tells us that there was one who would speak of the light to come, who would make the path and that the world would reject him. That the light would not comprehend the darkness. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He, he spoke about it. Deuteronomy 21, 23. Here's another one that people don't talk about. Deuteronomy 21, 23. Look at this. It says this in verse 23. His body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged is accursed of God, and thy land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. Folks, he's making a reference to the one hanging under the tree, being Christ, bearing the sins of the world. How do we know that? Galatians chapter 3 sheds light on that for us. You guys get this? You guys get it? The Deuteronomy 18 prophecy speaks of the prophet that would come like Moses, that just like Moses, nobody listened to. God brings John the Baptist literally the spirit of Elijah to come and to tell them about this prophet of Deuteronomy 18. And they still rejected him. Think about the significance of all of that, guys. And then that's where we get to the final portion of this that I'm going to go over. And folks, it's sad. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Folks, understand this. Deuteronomy chapter 28 is perhaps one of the most prophetic passages in the Old Testament related to what would happen to the nation of Israel. Did you know the first 15 verses of Deuteronomy chapter 28 talk about the blessings that God will give the people if they obeyed him? The very beginning of Deuteronomy 28 verse 1, it shall come to pass that thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all that his commandments do all his commandments which I command thee this day that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord. Blessed shalt thou be you in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body and blessed the fruit of thy ground and the fruit of thy cattle. And it goes on and on and on and on for 15 verses. Blessed, 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 blessed. The Bible says blessing will overtake you. I don't know about you, but I like the idea of blessing overtaking me. <laughs> That's a great idea right? But then from verse 16, you ready for this folks? From verse 16, all the way to verse 68, God says all of the curses that will happen to them. Folks, I don't have the time to read through all of these verses, but if you read some of these verses, they sound like the kind of things that you read about in history, like the Holocaust, like some of the things that happened 
the terrible, horrible things that happened to God's ancestrally chosen people. You want to know why God warned the Israelis over this? You want to know why he warned the Israelites? Because he knew this. He knew that they were his ancestrally chosen people. He knew that they were supposed to be a light to the world. And he also knew that Satan would seek to destroy them and attack them. And just like the prophecy of Balaam and what had happened with Balak, God knew that the only thing that would ever stop the Israelites from being everything God wanted them to be was sin. He knew it. The warning that came from Balaam was, Israel, don't sin against God. You do, you suffer. Folks, they were warned in every way possible. And the destruction that they experienced was a result of an enemy that hated them immensely and knew the only way he could beat Israel is by getting Israel to participate in sinful activity. But I would be amiss to not stop there, right? Because when you read the tragic story of everything that happened with the nation of Israel, it breaks your heart, doesn't it? It, it, just, it just kills you. But when you go to Deuteronomy chapter 30, and you read the first 10 verses of Deuteronomy chapter 30, it's a promise that God gives. By the way, you want to talk about prophetic. God knew that the nation of Israel would suffer. God knew that the nation of Israel would turn away from him and capitulate to sin. God knew that, he would allow, that they would allow themselves to be destroyed because they turned away from the protection of God. And even in the warning stage, God used Moses to tell them, but I'm going to restore you. If you read Deuteronomy 30 verses 1 through 10, you will realize that God promised to restore his people when they turned to him in repentance and submission. And folks, that was fulfilled all throughout history, wasn't it? You've been listening to Pastor James Cadiz on Light on the Hill and part of our series in the volume of the book. We're going from Genesis to Revelation, emphasizing the many passages pertinent to Bible prophecy. You can access today's study and any part of the series you may have missed online at lightonthehillradio.com or listen to Pastor James through the Light on the Hill app. Are you enjoying Light on the Hill? Send us an email and let us know the station you listen to and what you're getting out of these programs. It means a lot and helps us see what God is doing through the radio and internet ministries. There's a place to contact us at our website, lightonthehillradio.com. If the Lord leads, we'd also appreciate your financial partnership. Each gift that comes in goes straight to the ministry, helping us to get the word of God out on stations and platforms like this one all across the country. Donate online at lightonthehillradio.com or give through the Light on the Hill app. Have you seen the live shows and daily videos that we release on social media? Many of them relate to Bible prophecy and help understand current events with a biblical worldview. You'll find them at jamescadiz.com. Pastor James, it's President's Day, a day that we set aside to honor our very first president. We're in the midst of the primaries to elect our next president. How should we as Christians be praying as we head to the polls? Jane, it's a good question. There's a very simple answer to this, and that is vote for the person that you know will line up the most with the biblical view. And the reality of it is there's only one candidate I can think of that's doing that. And by the way, I don't mind being a one-issue voter, and the big issue for me is abortion. If they support abortion in any way, we walk away from voting for that person. 
It's critical. We go to what the Bible says and we look for the person that is going to stand the best with the issues that the Bible teaches. And that's how we vote. And it's really, really important. We should be very aware of those things. Thanks, Pastor James. As we return to our message now, Pastor James speaks of the exciting things still to come in our series in the volume of the book. I think that you're going to enjoy what's coming over the next few weeks. I think you're going to be blessed. When we start getting into like Joshua Judges, I, I will tell you, some of the post-exilic books will also blow your mind. Some of the things that you wouldn't think are really prophetic or mean a big thing. When we get into Job, uh, the books of poetry, do you know that there is more Bible prophecy concentrated in the poetry books than any other books in the Bible? I, I, like, no joke. Amazing amounts of prophecy. You're gonna be blown away. If you really think about it, the book of Revelation is not anything new. All the book of Revelation is, is God giving John an eyewitness opportunity to see the culmination of everything that was promised in the volume of the book. We got a lot of fun stuff coming and it, look, it's gonna blow your mind. And even the books of the Bible that seem like they're boring, they're not gonna be boring, I promise you. There's one book in the Bible that doesn't even mention the name of God. God is not in that book of the Bible, yet it's uniquely and remarkably prophetic. And you might be blown away into, think, into realizing that. But when you see the prophetic implications of what happened as a result of the timing of everything that took place in the Medo-Persian Empire during that time, it'll blow your mind. It'll absolutely blow your mind. But all of it is predicated upon the foundation given to us right here. And you guys are going to walk away excited because there's a lot to learn. Joshua is up next in our series in the volume of the book. Join us each day as we go through the Bible with an emphasis on prophecy here on Light on the Hill with Pastor James Cadiz. This is a listener-supported ministry of Calvary Chapel, Signal Hill. I have found that peace only comes from you. I have found that joy only comes from you. Cause all I need is 